You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 141 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. What have you been doing lately? Anything exciting? Uh, yeah, and it's uh, also on the home front, Val, the roof's getting redone. Oh. And I think as we speak, someone's chopping down half the trees in the area. So I do apologize if you do hear a chainsaw every now and then in the background. What? what why do you need your roof redone? Oh, the possum saga continues. Oh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so anyway, we're we're working on rehousing them. So there'll be uh, little possum sanctuaries built around, like right. so they little homes. And yes. then uh, it's like this um, three tier approach that hopefully will all happen while I'm not in the country, so I don't have to deal with builders getting here at the crack of dawn. Mm. Um, yeah, but the removal of the roof and the relaying of insulation and. Oh. Retiling, and then the possum man comes and puts a trap door in and uh, escorts the possums out, and then we Ooh. rehouse them. Wow. And then okay. you, you know, like. I hope they all get out and no one's left behind. No, no one's left behind. How they have like senses. They just know. They're just professionals <laughs> at this sort of stuff. What have you been up to, yoga? Oh, my God. What? So the other night, <laughs> yes. I just remembered. Okay. I had the best idea for you. Okay. So you know how you've got your – you've got a couple of brands going. There's uh, Yoga Beach Babe, hashtag <laughs> blessed, which is your like online profile, right? And the, but now no. you've got this – rising profile as a, a rope artist, right? Yeah, yeah. And you've got the two. I thought of the best way to combine the two and you Go haven't on. thought of this, Valerie. Haven't you I? Could, okay. No, you could make macrame bikinis. <laughs> and so when you do your next uh, series of uh, hashtag blessed yoga beach babe videos, right, <laughs> you could be wearing – the macrame bikini, which are so hot right now, <laughs> so hot right now. But do you handmade. Know, do handmade. You know the chances, Gina, of me wearing a macrame bikini. No, amazing. I'll just tell you that now for nothing. Amazing. I think that the the the, the key, the trick with the macrame bikini is <laughs> like the uh, stitch that you use. Would you probably a series of left, left, left. So the denser, is that right? Because you wouldn't want that loose weave. I don't think you paid enough attention when you came to my macrame class. Oh, you remember the left, left, left stitch? Yeah. <laughs> There's a bit more to it than that. 
but that's okay because I am not going to make a macrame bikini and I'm oh, not going to Instagram a photo of myself in one, okay? Hashtag blessed. I would love to see that, <laughs> Valerie Koo. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous at all, Valerie. It is ridiculous. It's the combining would... of the two worlds. It's amazing. It's the best idea. I, I was so that... excited when I thought of it. Oh, my God. Don't I think share that... my joy. I'm disappointed, Valerie. That's okay. Life's tough. <laughs> <laughs> why don't we, why don't we discuss something far more exciting? Mm-hmm. You have a link for us. I do. So I actually saw this in two spots. This was in the on the front page of our national paper, and, uh, and <laughs> because also... there's so much going on in Australia at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was on the front page because it's big news. So uh, there's this cat, and it's yeah. huge, like huge. He lives. He and... lives near you. Oh, really? And it's the massive cat. Uh, yeah. And so Bored Panda also did a story. But, like, <laughs> when I saw it, I thought that has to be Photoshopped. <laughs> the, that photo where the girl's holding the cat and it's, mm. like, the size of not even a small child because <laughs> I'd be afraid if I had a small child that was that size. It's, like, yeah. the size of a, I don't know, an adolescent <laughs> or yes. a very large dog. Yes, it's almost uh, th- it's almost four foot, yeah. uh, and it weighs in if it's if it's in pounds thirty point eight six pounds. Um, we believe that it, he is the world's longest cat. Yeah. He does live in Australia. His name is Omar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he has his own Instagram account because he is a, a Maine Coon and they are quite large cats generally. He's a ginger cat and he is the most giant thing you've ever seen but quite adorable. Oh, he's beautiful. Yeah, and he lives near Gina. Wow. Mm. I, my my male tabby is a big cat too, but not that big. <laughs> like no, when your cat's small. Tiger's no, Tiger's a big boy. Uh, not that not. big though, but not four foot. He's probably three, two foot. Yeah. He's big. Yeah. And your they're... cats are big. No, they're not. You've got big cats. They're fluffy. I see if they were wet, they'd they're be like spawny. They're like 4.2 kilos. Oh, anyway. But they're big. They're not little cats. They're, you know, they're a decent size. It's all yeah, they're hair. just fluffy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So but there you go. What was the point of sharing no this? No point. I just like, I know <laughs> that there's so many cat lovers and animal lovers. And by the way, thank you to everyone who sent me um, links and advice on rescuing dogs. That's uh, mm. has been very helpful. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm not going to be one of those, what is it, a foster mum mm. I want to adopt. I, can't, I couldn't yes. bear to foster and have to give back because no. I get too attached. I couldn't. Yes. I don't think I could give anything back, so I'll definitely adopt. So uh, if any of you do want to see pictures of Omar, the Maine Coon from Australia, the world's longest cat, uh, we will put links in the show notes, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com. And, of course, you can keep sending Gina further tips about rescuing dogs. I wish she would hurry up and do it. 
I've got a like I've got a trip to do when I get back. Yes, it's, it's, yep. Exciting. All right. Now we have a couple of shout outs. Uh, one is to Jim Craig from Canada, and he has left us a review on iTunes and has called it a great learning resource. Now Jim says informative and entertaining, without exception, the best photography podcast out there. Wow. Mm. Thanks, Jim. Um, Jim continues, after 13 years of being a serious digital photographer, I continue to learn from this podcast. And Jim is from Vancouver in British Columbia in Canada. Thank you so much, Jim. Very cool. Thank you. And Zorag from Denmark has said, wow, in iTunes and has left the simple review, you guys have made my job a lot easier. So, wow, fantastic you. to you, Zorag. Yeah, and we really awesome. Yeah, we really appreciate uh, you leaving, Jim and Zorag, you leaving a review on iTunes. Uh, if other listeners have 30 seconds to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, we'd be really grateful because it certainly helps us in the rankings. Now, let's move on to this week's topic. I like this. Gina has called this Crank It Up, Why Every Photographer Should Embrace High ISO. Now, before we started recording this podcast, Junior and I had a little bit of a heated discussion. Heated? Well, it was a bit louder than normal um, about the word ISO, which is, you know, ISO, the setting on your camera that you um, set to, you know, 400 to 800, 1600. 2000, whatever. Uh, and the reason we had a lively discussion about it was we were discussing the pronunciation of the word ISO or ISO. Now, is it mm. ISO or ISO? Now, tomato, tomato. That's right. <laughs> Throughout my entire life, and I have done many photography courses and, um, uh, you know, gone to – worked with many, 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 many photographers, have been a photo editor at some of the big publishers in Australia and therefore had to commission many photographers throughout my entire life in this country and also in another country that I worked in. I worked for three years in Singapore and commissioned many photographers there. I have called it ISO. Gina? So apparently ISO is not an abbreviation. So it's it's a word derived from the Greek word isos, meaning equal. And um, so basically the word comes from the International Organization for Standards and like they uh, wanted to make an abbreviation that could be uh, easily um, translated and they thought that if they named it um, uh, IOS, it would get confused. So they decided to instead of making it uh, an acronym, they would make it a word and name the organisation ISO, mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. but then, so there's like half the world is saying ISO, the other half of the world is saying ISO. I think we're going to stick with um, ISO because it's just easier and otherwise I'll have to concentrate, think too hard, Valerie, today. Just to stick with well, what I know. Well, Gina, throughout your entire life you've it's called it ISO. It's what I've been calling ISO. it, yeah. So we're just going to continue calling it ISO because mm. that's what 
that's that's just what we've done in Australia forever. Mm-hmm. So in uh, if you're listening from another country and maybe you call it ISO, that's great and please, you know, obviously continue to do that. But that's obviously just one of the language differences and cultural differences in different terminology. So anyway, when we're referring to ISO, we are referring to um, – ISO in the context of photography, and you might call it ISO. All right. Or we can just call it Dave and be done with it. No, we'll just call it ISO. <laughs> okay. All right. So your this week's topic is crank it up. Why every photographer should embrace high ISO. Yes. Now, what inspired this topic, Gina? Okay. So I think. Uh, it, I've noticed that uh, a lot of people are shooting and sharing their photos and then saying things like, oh, then the shutter speed got a little bit slow and I started getting blurry images and I was a bit fearful of uh, going high ISO because I didn't want to get to noise. So there is this fear around shooting ISO. And by the way, for those of you who are true newbie, newbie, newbies to photography, ISO basically controls how sensitive the camera sensor is to light. So it comes from the old film days where you'd get uh, different ratings of film and the higher the number, the more sensitive to light. The lower the number, the less sensitive to light. Same with ISO. So basically uh, you've got a you know, you, some cameras go all the way up into the hundreds of thousands in ISO, which means basically you can go in in, in the middle of the night and, uh, you know, crank up the ISO and shoot uh, an amazing picture and get something on your screen. The problem with that is the higher the ISO that you shoot, the more noise you're going to get on Ooh. the image. And so that's what people are afraid of. But there is a lot of uh, misinformation uh uh, and based that, that this fear is based on. And so I sort of want to demystify ISO. And I think by the end of this show, everyone is going to go out there and crank it up. Because if you do a few things correctly, you can shoot really high ISOs and get the best of both worlds and still get really crystal clear images if you follow uh, the following protocols. So, um, that would be great because the thing is I came through an era where if you shot uh, at uh, no, 800 or 1,000, mm. mm. everyone was very concerned whether it was going to be too grainy to be used in magazines and yes. you almost only ever used that like a 1,000, say, if you were doing night photography. Yes. You'd never use it in day photography. Uh, yes. But these days I find myself – playing around with 2,000 even in in daytime. So, yeah, I'm keen to know where you're going with this. Yeah, because it was. In the film days, 800 and over did look shite. It looked absolutely shite because you had all this uh, grain in the image and so we never would. And then early uh, digital cameras as well. Like I know that I've got the 1DX right now. The camera I had before that was the Canon um, 1DS Mark III Anything over 400 on that camera, absolute rubbish. 
right? Ooh. It couldn't handle high ISO and all the cameras before that in the digital weren't very good over, say, 400. So I've got this, you know, uh, you know, in those sci-fi movies where you see that they're, they're flying the rocket ship and the, and, and the captain saying, no, go faster. And it's like, no, I can't do it, captain. It's going to break up. That's, that's, what, that's what's going through my mind whenever I'm on a shoot. And it's like, oh, the light's dropping and I need to go up on my ISO. No, no, my image is going to break up. So I'm really, I've always been fearful. Uh, but then I started experimenting and, uh, and I found some really uh, exciting ways that you can shoot with high ISO and actually get a decent image. So, um, so let's have it. So the ISO on the camera is basically like, if you think about it, it's like having a dimmer switch. You know, when you go into a room, you turn the lights off, you turn the lights on, and then you've got a switch you can actually have uh, bright so that it looks like uh, the toilets in a nightclub, bright fluoro, not very attractive. Or if you want to have like a softer light you do, to dim it down and you can get like, uh, you know, sort of very, very low lighting and everything in between. That's how ISO on a camera acts. So you like at the very lowest setting, you uh, your film sensor is uh, – not as sensitive to light and as you crank it up it becomes more sensitive now the problem with that is as your camera's sensor becomes more sensitive to light it also introduces more grain into the image now for those of you playing at home if you want to go online and have a look at the show notes uh, there are a lot of uh, good visuals that actually explain everything that I'm talking about but if you're either you know driving or doing other stuff and you can't have a look then we'll try our very best or Valerie will try our very best to explain all the images because mm. she does that really well and me not so well so um, basically there's a series of images of uh, Spider-Man Spider-Man and Captain America and you can see it was a pitch black room you were in this room when we shot this Val with me and mm. uh, there, it was pitch black wasn't it and uh, I did the first shot where I shot at an ISO of 100 I kept my uh, uh, camera settings, my shutter speed and my aperture the same for each image and I just change the ISO. So the image goes from as I work from 100 to I think I went up to 2,000 ISO um, up to 8,000 ISO, sorry, uh, you can see that uh, the image just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. So it goes from a, an image where you can't see a thing, it's pitch black, to it, you can see the figures, to they get a bit brighter, still underexposed, to about the right exposure, to uh, uh, like a stop overexposed. And you can see that just by changing the ISO, which comes in really handy if you're out on a shoot and uh, you're in low light you want to be able to crank up the ISO but there's a few things you need to be careful now the side effect mm. is there's a huge difference between shooting in um, at a hundred ISO and shooting an image at a thousand ISO so I've come in and I've cropped in tight onto Captain America's face and you can see the difference in the uh, structure of the file at a hundred ISO no noise you can 
it's smooth, like the transition in the uh, shadow details, uh, the skin tone, it's very smooth. You're not seeing any noise. When you go up to ISO 8000, it's grainy as dog's cojones. You can just see <laughs> standing out, Valerie. You can see, you can actually, and the difference between uh, grain, when we talk about grain, in the film days, uh, grain was actually uh, the the emulsion, so uh, it was visible uh, structure of the film. So the higher the uh, ISO, or in those days it was called ASA, just to confuse everyone a little bit more, mm-hmm. the higher the speed of grain, uh, the higher the f- speed of film, the, the more grain dots were visible, okay, because uh, they were like large uh, crystal dye clouds, okay, so when you uh, – slow film you would see less grain all right so noise which is the digital equivalent of grain is actually uh signals recorded by the digital sensor in right and so uh high iso settings give you noise and it's what it looks like but it's actually not all noise is created the same Val. so you can when you look at noise in an image if you mm-hmm. break it down and understand what it it comprises of it it's a good good thing to know uh, how to tackle it in post production so each little pixel that we see uh, each little bit of noise is actually a pixel and when you um, see pixels in an image they're actually little square dots that's what mm-hmm. makes up an image you know hundreds and thousands or millions of those but when you look at noise and I've actually uh, created a diagram to show this a bit better. So what I did is I went out and shot an image uh, in the daytime at 1600 ISO, right? And then I've taken a, a tiny section of that image and blown it up to show the noise in the image. And so basically when you look at noise, you're going to get two different distinct kind of noises. You've got uh, – the luminance noise, which is the grain that you see, they're the pixels, the um, how how pronounced they are, and then you've got color noise, which is the color shift caused by going up high ISO or shooting in an area that's mm. unexposed. So it's a combination of the two. So mm. knowing this, just keep that in your mind. There's a diagram that shows the combination of the two noises together and we can actually split the different noises and show the grain uh, in the luminance noise. And yeah. then uh, without the grain, you've just got color noise, which is a shift where the, the pixels are the wrong color. So knowing this, um, it's good to know that uh, uh, the luminance noise actually looks like old school film grain and it can actually be quite nice. It can look, it can, it can give your images a sort of a romantic or nostalgic look or even add to the artier look of it. Mm. The, the colour noise, not so much. It's the colour noise that actually makes images look a bit shite. So like if you're photographing, say someone um, in a room inside and it's low light, 
light because it's getting dark outside, right? And you crank up your ISO, you'll get an image that's bright enough. It looks like it's correctly exposed, but if you zoom in onto the skin tones, and you might see this a lot more when you're shooting even with your smartphone camera. Once you zoom in on the skin tones, you'll notice that uh, the color of the skin looks blotchy. It's all different colors rather than that smooth transition of, you know, highlights to shadows. You'll get like random colors in there that shouldn't be there. And even if you're shooting up against, say, white walls or gray walls, you'll notice that suddenly there's all these random extra colors. That's color noise. Mm. All right. Okay. Yes, that makes sense. Okay. So having said that, there are uh, a lot of advantages to shooting at a high ISO. So you get um, much, it allows you to have much faster shutter speeds, which is fantastic if you're shooting sport, wildlife, or any other action. So you can actually freeze the action. Then if you're shooting at a high ISO, it means that you can have a greater depth of field. Really, really handy when you're working in uh, photographing, say, large groups of people where you might have the person at the front of the group might be several meters in front of the person at the back of the group. You don't want to shoot that portrait at, uh, say, wide open, say, f2.8, because it means, Val, that. You you tell, you fill in the blanks. (laughs) You put me on the spot. (laughs) The person at the front uh, will be sharp. And if you're shooting at a very shallow depth of field, the person at the back will be out of focus, right? So you want when you're shooting a large group and you've got um, a big difference in the in the um, the position of the perp and like a lot of space, you want to shoot just to cover yourself. You want to have. like a, a, a narrower depth of field so that everyone in the group is in focus. Now, if it's low light mm. uh, and you, you want to be shooting at around, uh, say, F5.6, F8, F11, if you've got low light, you're not going to be able to shoot at that narrower depth of field because once you start stopping down, you've got less light, a lot harder to do. So you might yeah. then be in a position where I've seen a lot of photographers where they stop down, they get their desired F-stop, but then they, they can't shoot at the shutter speed that they want to so they start getting their images are a bit out of focus so you go to higher ISO which means you can have the desired f-stop and you can also have the faster shutter speed and if you're wandering around and shooting at night or long lens and you want the freedom of shooting off tripod shoot a higher ISO, which means you can crank up your shutter speed so you're not going to have any camera shake, shoot at the desired uh, aperture and shoot off tripod. All fantastic things to do. So basically high ISO gives you so much more freedom when you're shooting. But if it was that good, we'd all be doing it. There's always a but. So the disadvantages are that uh, there is a a loss. You get that noise in the image. The higher you go in ISO, the higher the noise you get. You also get a loss of quality due to the color noise. So there's going to be like the the sensor's not able to uh, handle the colors as well as when you're shooting at a lower ISO. So you're going to get some color shifts and uh, random colors thrown in there you're also going to get less realistic colors and then as a result of having the extra noise there's going to be a a noticeable loss of sharpness in your image so you've got to sort of weigh up those options so 
um, you need to think about that. So um, knowing that the, the optimum conditions for shooting high ISO are when you've got like bright light, um, a, 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 Sorry, the optimum conditions for shooting in a low ISO, you've got bright light and outside on a bright sunny day. Right. right? The brighter the light, the brighter the uh, the better the overall exposure. So you've got detail in your shutter, uh, detail in your shadows, and uh, detail overall. When you're cranking it up, the optimum conditions for shooting high ISO are also the same. So if you've got good, clean even lighting that just isn't as bright as a bright sunny day, you can still achieve a really good looking image. All right. So um, basically um, the best times uh, that you want to crank it up are when you're doing night photography, sport, concerts, events, wildlife Mm. and things like that. So you're going to get optimum shots for things like that and maybe consider cranking it up if you're shooting uh, portraits, group shots, uh, or maybe even children's photography. Children run around and wiggle a lot, so you want to be able Mm. to have a faster shutter speed and maybe give yourself a bit more depth of field so you can control that. So you want to have a high ISO. But it's not optimum to shoot if you're doing – studio or commercial work, Val, where it is really crucial uh, if you're doing product shots in a studio where they really want you to match the colours of that handbag or like you're photographing food and you're zooming right in and they want to see every single little fine detail. Also, advertising, um, super fine uh, portraits uh, and macro photography doesn't go so well with – like lots of noise in the image, so high ISO. So you want to be avoiding that. And if you're doing stuff like that, it's best to shoot a lower ISO, go to shoot on tripod so you can shoot slower uh, shutter speed and you're actually adding a lot more light in. To, to That's why when you see advertising uh, and um, uh, the port, uh, sort of uh, product photographers are always shooting in studio and they're actually adding light to the shot. But if you're doing yeah. lifestyle, you're out on the seat, you can't, like, if you're shooting wildlife, you can't bring 50 mm. lights and cover it around the bee so that you get its wings. <laughs> the bee's like not going to really appreciate that. So, yes. um, so. Some things to remember, Val, when you're shooting high ISO because, like, not all noise is actually created in the same way. Uh, there, there are a couple of, of factors that affect how the noise in your image is going to look when you're shooting okay. at high ISO. So I've actually created some um, examples in the show note that actually prove this. And so it's really important or it really helps to um, – eliminate the look of noise in an image if you expose it uh, really well and that particularly in the shadows. So um, if I'm ever shooting uh, an event inside and say it is well lit with mm. fluoro, but it's just not like when I'm shooting outside where it's brightly lit. Obviously, the exposure you get inside is very different to what's outside. It's not as bright. Sure. But if you shoot at high ISO, it can feel as bright. So I've got an image where I was shooting um, 
uh, like a, a master uh, karate. I think it's karate. It was one of those disciplines anyway, teaching some students uh, <laughs> ha- how to, to do karate. And um, it was inside. It was maybe, um, I don't know, six or seven in the evening. So outside it was dusk. And inside was lit with fluoro. So I cranked it up to 1250 ISO and I was like a little, I'm going, uh, this is going to be grainy. But the room, because it was a teaching studio, was lit really well with fluoro lighting. You know that overhead lighting? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I made sure that I grey carded so that I didn't have issues with uh, fluoro, the white balance from fluoro. And at ISO 1250, I've shown you a full frame shot, but then I've cropped in. So it's a two hands holding a camera. Yeah. It's a detail shot at ISO 1250. I've cropped in uh, yeah. to show you what the detail. Can you see any noise in that image? Um, not heaps. Not heaps. It's pretty mm. clean. Yeah. Right. And that's because yeah. it was well lit. Okay, so it is poor lighting actually that um, increases the noise in an image. So I've got another example where it's food, ISO 2000. Yes. uh, In a restaurant that I think I was lighting, I had a little handheld torch or something or a light that I was using, and at 2000, again, it's not – you know, it's not dogs' cojones, the grain socks, are they? They're just little – I should stop using that very Australian term. No, it's not. It's a very Gina term. Is it? Yeah, I think so. It's a bit of a mismatch of many languages, isn't it? Um, but the grain is still very fine and it's not like, oh, my God, it jumps out at you. So at a pinch – if you're working with high ISO and you add light to the image yeah. and everything is well lit, the uh, noise is not going to be as obvious. So it's a really good thing to remember and it's like that kind of makes it a marriage made in heaven when you've got like low light, crank up the ISO and maybe add a little bit of artificial light and you're going to um, – get rid of a lot of the extra noise that you'll pick up. And so I'll show you an example of where this can happen. It's not just high ISO um, Mm. files that are going to give you a lot of noise, Fel. You can get noise in a 100 ISO image if you don't expose it correctly. So the worst culprit that I see is if uh, the shadows are not correctly exposed and then people in post-production try and pull detail out of the shadows, you're going Mm. to get noise in those shadow areas. And so I've got Mm. an image where I've got a portrait shot at ISO 100. It's correctly exposed. So I've got detail in the skin tones. It goes from bright across the face to a bit moodier over to – so camera right is brightly lit, which is closest to the window. And then I've got this uh, figure camera – camera left where the light sort of falls off a little bit. So correctly exposed, ISO correct, not a lot of grain in that image. Mm. I also did another version of that shot and I've zoomed in to, to, to show very tight around the eye and you can see that very fine grain looks good, everything looks correct. I then took the same image and I underexposed it so that it's practically black, there's no detail. And then I corrected that image in Lightroom. Mm. I just corrected the exposure, Val, mm. and then I've zoomed in 
on the uh, same area yep. and you can yep. see what happens. You get noise. Yes. So it's noise at the lowest ISO, but it's caused by not exposing your image correctly. So right. remember that to, to actually uh, eliminate noise in your images, make sure that you correctly expose your images. And this um, is something that I, I have always done, even when you're working in studio. So you see a lot of photographers who work with lighting uh, in a studio and what they'll do is they'll light one side of the face with a softbox and they'll let the other side of the face fall off and go to shadow. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's a very mm, yes. common way of lighting. It is common, yes. And and I've always said I I understand that concept, but when you light that way and you let the shadows just go and there's no light on that side of the face, the image looks noisier in the shadows. It's not mm. as clean. And so what mm-hmm. I have been doing um, for a long time is I will get I can achieve the exact same look by lighting one side of the face to to achieve that the bright you know because you want it's like a split look to the lighting one side is bright the other side goes to shadow I will always light the shadow side not with a reflector but actually light it and the light that's hitting the shadow side is minimal it'll be just like so that I get the same exposure, there's a minimal amount of light. But what that does is it gives me a much cleaner shadow area. So I get the same ratios. I get but the you light it. Light, you light it with what? Like another softbox. So I have two. Oh, softbox. okay. One will be full power to get mm. the, the light on the other side of the face. And I've shown you, you use this technique now when you do your lighting with continuous lights, Val. Mm, the other, mm. the other light will be like an eighth power or like it's minimal, Val. It's just putting in a tiny, it's not even a dook, it's like a ding, ding, tiny amount of light. But what that does, it cleans up the noise on the shadow side of the face Mm. and eliminates this uh, extra detail. So for all the uh, studio portrait photographers uh, or even when you're using speed lights, uh, if you have two, I want you to do the experiment. So I want you to try a split lighting technique where you just use one light and Mm. and let the shadow side go and um, not have anything on the other side. And then I want you to do another version of that where you light slightly a small tiny amount of light on that site and I want you to have a look at the difference between uh, the two files and I think you'll find that the two light setup gives you a much cleaner um, image far less noise in the shadows and so like even at 100 you're going to get noise if the file isn't lit well yeah okay because so that's, that's what causes noise yes really important mm. so um the other thing um, you can do, uh, there's a real cheat. If you if you've accidentally like you've spotted something and you you know out on the street and you're shooting and you didn't have time to uh, correctly expose the image and you've got an image that's underexposed and you go ahead and you um, 
improve the exposure in, in Lightroom or Photoshop and increase the exposure, what you're going to find is there will always be extra noise in the shadow. So I've got an image of a tin shed where I've deliberately underexposed the image and then I've corrected it in Lightroom. What happens is uh, the Lightroom does a really good job of increasing the exposure on the uh, outside of the shed where the sun was already hitting it. So it was lit, but it was just right. under. I've managed to retrieve all the detail in the timber and the corrugated iron. It all looks good. The problem is in the doorway, Val, it was just uh, black. When you start looking in the shed, there was no light. Yes, yes, when yes. I've increased, when I've exp- increased the exposure, what happens? Color noise. So instead mm. of being um, a little bit of detail and a little bit of texture inside, the shed, I've got Mm. like color noise. It's like a magentas and all different colors caused by um, trying to increase that exposure when there was nothing there. It was just a black hole. Uh, Lightroom uh, and or Photoshop don't know what to do with the file. There's no information there. So they go, oh, we'll add noise. (laughs) We'll put something there. So you get color noise and it's not, it's not very pretty. So the really cheap quick workaround if is if you've got a lot of color noise in your image just convert it to black and white and suddenly the color noise goes and you get a yep. nice looking image so that's um that's the quick fix as well so okay. um uh, so I've got another example where I've got an image of a wall where there's uh, uh, the part of the wall is correctly lit and the top third of the image where there's lots of cameras hanging on a wall underexposed. So this was a long exposure. I didn't uh, handheld. I yeah. didn't light it. And the top Ooh. third of the frame didn't actually have any light there. So what I did was uh, it was a little bit underexposed. So what I've done is I've taken that image and I've corrected Ooh. it in Lightroom. I've corrected the exposure. I've balanced it out. So now yeah. I've got a nice looking exposure. Yeah. And I've uh, cropping in. To you the can bit see, that was dark. The bit that was dark uh, and, and that I've uh, also uh, – lightened up a little bit you can see the uh, amount of noise I've got and so when you're correcting noise in Lightroom you can either correct the luminance so you've got two sliders you've got one that corrects the luminance and one that corrects the color the Mm -hmm. luminance is the texture of the grain so you can actually leave the look of the sorry or noise look of the the look of the noise or uh, grain to be Uh, very sharp or Mm. if you increase the luminance what it does is it softens it it gives it a softer edge so I've got two examples I've got one with the luminance slider at 31 and Mm. another where I've um, cranked the luminance slider all the way over at full which is a hundred and do you see what happens you lose all the detail and it starts to look like um, it's been airbrushed or it's had uh, Botox in all the pixels. There's no (laughs) detail. You get rid of all the pixels. It looks like, you know, know that shiny face look you can get when you just like, you know, I don't know. You see it a lot in in The Real Housewives. It's a real housewife uh, look. So the yeah. 100 is like it should be renamed Real Housewives. You should make a Real Housewives uh, preset. I, sh- I will, actually. I'm going to. Uh, it's, so what it does is it gives you uh, massive lips. <laughs> 
Yes. Super smooth skin and no expression. That's right. And IQ lowers by about to almost. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, continue <laughs> on. <laughs> yes. So my point is uh, there, you can you can do a lot in Lightroom to reduce uh, the look of uh, noise in an image. Um, but what the first thing you want to do is tackle the color noise first. So the first thing you do is uh, play around with the color noise slider, leave the actual grain in there, and then tweak the luminance slider, which is the size, the the um, appearance of the um, the grain or the the luminance noise, mm. and get it to a point where it can actually some of that noise can look good. It it can look nice once you've got the color. It's the color noise that makes an image like really ugly. I don't think the luminance noise is um, all that bad at all. It it can kind of look nostalgic and like a black and white, but you can tweak that a little bit, but don't just go all the way to Real Housewives. Don't mm. don't give it the full Real Housewives. You want to go <laughs> you want to go a half Real Housewife or even a third Real Housewife. <laughs> okay. I can't believe we're, we're referring it's to now that. Anyway, it's now a measurement of luminance, the Real Housewife. So um <sighs> I've got a shot where uh, it's uh, shot in a studio. I've got a boxer, Timothy, and uh, he's lit with flash uh, where I've let the background fall off. And that that is all fine. It was, uh, I think, shot at 100 ISO. The actual correct image, not an issue. Um, but I just what I wanted to show you uh, what is possible when uh, you know how to correct noise in an image. And there's always mm. going to be something where um, you've taken a shot. It's a crucial shot you need to rescue it uh it Mm. might be a a beautiful image of someone that you took that you really love but you're three stops under and once you start increasing the uh exposure on it you start to get all this extra noise uh and then you don't like the image as much you can actually repair it and do a lot to remove noise and i think even just seeing this exercise you'll going to feel uh listeners at home are going to feel a lot more comfortable about shooting uh low high uh iso so um the same image of timothy uh, underexposed basically uh we hadn't set the flash up so uh, uh, properly yet so it's only uh sort of slightly exposed on the boxing bag he is not lit at all he's just got a bit of fall off coming on his face so it's probably uh two stops underexposed this image yeah. and we've all yeah. done that by accident where we've you know, taking the shot two stops under. So what I've done in the first stage, Val, is I've taken the image and I've uh, increased the exposure by two, nearly three stops to brighten it up and I've just tweaked with my blacks and opened up my shadows. It's uh, at a distance, it looks really good. All right, right, I'm going, well, there yes. you go, I'll fix the image, job done. But then when you zoom in very tight, you can see that uh, in all the shadow areas, lots of colour noise and lots of noise overall. So the image looks really grainy. You can't give yes. this sort of image out. It's not It's not pretty at all. You, the the mm. colour noise is so obvious. It looks like you've got a... Uh, like a woven texture across the image, isn't it, Val? Like, how yeah. would you describe color noise uh, t- to someone who was blind? 
Yeah, I'm just looking at those things. It's hard to describe, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's very textured and you just yeah, like got all these, uh, different coloured pixels that aren't the right colours at all. Like you get I'm lots of to, yeah. gingers. Like I think it looks like a carpet texture or, you know. Yeah, like. it's sort of like got a uh, – I'm at a loss for words, but basically oh, there is noise. <laughs> <laughs> it's noisy, Val. So, yeah, so you pick up a lot of extra, like magenta pixels, lots of different colours. It's like waves. It's I can't not think right. Of any- yeah, it's not right. Up. So it mm. takes away from uh, the overall look of the image, the detail of the image, the Christmas. It's not pretty. So mm. that's what happens when I increase the exposure. So um, what I can do is uh, take that image and um, increase uh, the play with the sliders and increase the uh, use image and noise reduction. So the first thing I do is I adjust the color noise on the slider and then I tweak my luminance noise, which is the size of the uh, actual gray, the pixels. Mm -hmm. And it's a combination of that. And then as a final step, I will sharpen the image and Mm. you basically get an image that looks pretty good. So you can see yeah. the close-up where I've reduced the noise and I've managed yeah. to save that image. Now, it's not it's, it's, it's not going to be as good as the one that I properly light, but it's at a pinch it's a good way to save your images. And so um, if that happens, uh, have, have a think about that. So color noise first, then tweak the luminance noise, but don't go Full housewife. <laughs> Full real housewives. Full real housewife. You want to go 30% real housewife. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. Okay. So, um, all right. So, some of the, the like, some of the, the best combo again is for high ISO, a tiny dook of dook. fill light. Or, that is a really, really good tip. Or, artificial light like the example of a sh- that I uh, talked about in the karate studio where you had the overhead of fluoro lighting it was lower light but it was mm. evenly lit so as long as you've got like even if the light is low as long as there is enough light it's evenly lit you're going to get um, a really good high ISO or a lot clearer and then when you're working at low ISOs you want to make sure that you've got some kind kind of light hitting the shadow areas because if you want to start um, Mm. opening up those shadow and tweaking, then um, it's going to affect the look of your image. So always that is a really sure good. you ex- correctly don't that whole idea of I'll fix it in post and yeah. the sloppy shooting where you could shoot yeah. two stops under is yeah. going to uh, cause extra noise in the image. So it's always worth uh, lighting an image well and it really pays to go that extra step and add a, an extra light so that you get a cleaner, uh, less noise in your shadow areas and then when you're cranking it up, the combination of uh, high ISO with a duck of light is just magic. So for events, if you're shooting weddings and things like mm. that, it's good still to just pop in 
a little bit of fill light, you're going to get a much cleaner uh, image overall. So just for those who are interested, best high mm. ISO cameras, and this actually comes from a blog post that uh, Borrowed Lenses uh, created, the Nikon D5, amazing. The Sony AS2, uh, also incredible, very, very high ISOs. The camera that I use a lot, and I have to say it is amazing, 5D Mark III, uh, awesome at high ISO, or the Nikon uh, D7200, another Sony A6300, uh, um, crop frame, the Canon 7D Mark II, also very good in high, uh, high ISO, or the Nikon D5500, or for Olympus shooters, the OMD EM5 Mark II, also really good at high ISO as well. Fantastic. That is awesome. And for me, one of the biggest takeaways, I mean, there were so many gems and ahas in there, but one of the biggest takeaways is definitely if you are shooting those moody shots, which are just very common at the moment and are in demand by a lot of places. So I do see it a lot. I'm involved in photo shoots where I see it a lot is that even though you might want to have that fall off on one side where it's moody on one side and lit on the other, put in that little bit of light on Mm. the dark side just so that you can have that flexibility uh later and you can and if you're shooting regardless of what iso you're shooting at um it'll be a lot better for for your shot fantastic Mm. wow okay well that was a lot to take in and we um We'll put the show notes at GinaMilitia.com in case there's anything that you want to revisit and all of the images Gina has referred to are also going to be in the show notes. But, of course, this is just one of those episodes that you might want to have a listen again just to consolidate what you've learnt. I think um, uh, that would certainly be a good idea. There's some episodes that are are definitely worthwhile for, for that to happen, particularly if you happen to be in the car and you want to look at the images uh, that we're referring to. There you go. So what's coming up this week, Gina? I've oh, got a big week, Val. Lots going on. Nothing I can talk about, unfortunately. <laughs> you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a lot on at the Sydney Writers' Festival. It's always a busy period oh, for right, me. So cool. I'll be doing things at the Sydney Writers' Festival and hopefully it's going to be nice weather. Uh, but in the meantime, um, make sure, everyone, you sign up to Gina's newsletter, which you can find at ginamilitia.com because it's an awesome newsletter that comes out every fortnight. And there are certain Lightroom presets that only come free for newsletter subscribers and you have to actually be on the newsletter to to get them. Um, You you can get them elsewhere, but you need to pay for them elsewhere. I mean, you can get them on Gina's website, but you need to pay for them, but uh, newsletter subscribers get uh, some free each month. All right, where do we find you online, Gina, apart from at ginamilitia.com, which I just mentioned, of course. So uh, at Gina Militia on Twitter and Instagram, Pinterest, uh, YouTube, I think that covers all my social media at the moment. Facebook, uh, I'm in the Facebook community, Val, as well. Where are you? Uh, Yogabeachbabe.com. No, 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 no. So the Facebook community. com. No, so the Facebook community that Gina is referring to, uh, listeners can join that community for free on Facebook and just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join. We would love to let you in. All right. You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm also in that Facebook community as well as in the Gold Membership Program 
Instagram. It'll be great to see you in there as well. And you can find out more about that at ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. So thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Gina Challenge, just quickly. Oh, yes. Sorry, Val. Hashtag Gina Challenge. Yeah. So hashtag Gina Challenge is a challenge that we have every week and uh, there's a different theme every week and then we you can interpret that theme however you like and then upload your photo. We'd love to see it. It's great when the community shares their photos. Uh, upload the photo into the Facebook group, which I mentioned before, and tag it with hashtag Gina Challenge and then hashtag whatever the topic is. So this week's topic, Gina, is crank it up oh great okay so we're going to crank up your iso (laughs) if you do whatever you want in terms of cranking up your iso interpret that however you like and put your uh, image in the community and tag it with hashtag gina challenge hashtag crank it up we'd love to see you in there in the meantime thanks so much for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time thanks guys Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.